Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And today, we're going to pick up where we left off with the third episode. On this little journey of guiding new players into the hobby, uh, we've covered a couple of topics so far that I think uh, we're almost ready to close out. Last episode, we covered... The, not only the archetypes of armies that are in Age of Sigmar, but also our recommendations for armies of each type and how we think that you should get into them if that's what you're interested in. So, John, what are we going to talk about today in a similar vein, but just slightly differently? All right, so today we're going to be tackling the slightly more difficult topic of getting into Warhammer 40k. Whew. Yeah, it's a bit tougher than Age of Sigmar because it's such a long-running game. There's a lot of models out there. There's a lot of lore out there. There's a lot of stuff. And one of the most daunting things is picking an army to start with. We're hoping that in our second episode, you kind of picked up on a play style that really resonated with you. And uh, here, we're going to break those down into individual armies to help you figure out what you want to buy and play and build and paint and tell stories with. So uh, I believe our first category is melee right joe yeah so we're trying to keep the order uh consistent between episodes two three and today's four just so if you're somebody who's kind of listening to all of them they follow a similar flow because this this is difficult enough on its own no need to inject some more confusion into it uh so yeah i thought we'd first talk about melee because uh as we mentioned in episode two 40k is a game where Everybody has machine guns and laser cannons and there are tanks all over the field and planes buzzing about. So there aren't as many melee-focused factions as there are shooting factions. So I think it might make it a little easier to unpack, don't you think? Yeah, and I think that something you got to keep in mind with 40k is that even if it's an air quotes melee faction uh it will still have shooting in it uh, yeah you, you you're still gonna have guns yeah you're gonna need guns if you want your guys to get there uh otherwise you're gonna have a hard time doing some stuff i think it's it's very important to know that going in that melee does not mean all melee it means mostly focused on that specific thing yep at least that's the the portion of the game where you're really gonna push hard to get done what you need to get done uh so i'll go first because it's a faction I play. Who knew that people with podcasts have biases and talk about their armies more? <laughs> How novel. So my pick for someone who's looking to get into a melee faction is the Blood Angels. Uh, the Blood Angels are a very unique subchapter of Space Marines, which we'll get to later. Uh, who specifically are incredible in melee. Uh, Fluff-wise, these are sort of like um, pious knights of ye olden days, but in power armor, who appear regal and stoic and steadfast defenders of the Imperium, but underneath harbor a dark secret and a rage that threatens to consume them. And, uh, I really enjoy that flavor, uh, and I pulled to it pretty immediately. But also on the tabletop, they are... The best way I can describe them is it's kind of like... If y'all ever watched Beyblade, 
It's kind of like if you had a blender Beyblade roll into a whole butcher shop full of meat, just chunks and blood come flying out everywhere. That's every charge phase that a Blood Angel army has. They're just a food processor for Xenos. Really are. <laughs> will it blend? Uh, the answer is yes. It's always yes. It will blend. Hello, my name is Dante, and this is the Slap Chomp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his... I just want you to know, John, that my army's relic weapon will now be called the Slap Chop in your honor. Fantastic. And every time I roll dice, I'm going to yell slap. It's okay. Um, it's going to kill me. Oh, yes. Because uh, all Space Marines, they get access to the giant catalog that Space Marines have. But they have a number of unique characteristics that make them powerful in melee. So, in 40k... Space Marines have what is called a chapter tactic, which could be a little confusing because they're all different and there's a million of them to memorize. But really what they mean by chapter tactic is that every melee faction, not melee faction, every Marine faction has the unique rule that applies to your army. That's all that means. You get a rule that applies to your guys. And the Blood Angel specifically is called the Black Rage. And this gives them a bonus on dice if they have just charged into melee to attack something, or if something has charged them to attack them. So when you start sprinting up the field with your guys and you dive in headfirst to an enemy army, you could put a lot of hurt out very quickly with a Blood Angel's army. Uh... In addition to having the power armor that makes them able to take more punchback than you would expect. And John has felt this firsthand on one or two occasions. More than that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they also have a, a couple of units called the Sanguinary Guard that are space marines in angelic power armor with rocket boosters that drop from the sky and use their jetpack thrust to stab you to death. It's just real cool. Like, it is super cool. And what's even better is that there's a a fairly great way to get into the army that's about to drop. It'll be out by the time that this podcast is posted, but Games Workshop has announced uh, new starter sets for the 9th edition of 40k. Uh, it... It's a starter set that comes in two halves. Um, so when you buy a starter set, it'll have some models of Necrons, which are cool, creepy, metal skeleton guys, kind of like Terminator. Uh, and it'll also have a number of Space Marines in it. The Space Marine half of these boxes are incredible. For Blood Angels. And it's a fairly cheap way to get into it. Because it's meant for you to buy the box and split it with someone else. And specifically in the Elite Edition of the box. Uh, you end up with a Bladeguard Veteran. Who is a, a big beefy melee HQ unit. Uh, for those of you who weren't here for episode 3. Because you're not into Age of Sigmar. HQ unit means that it's a character. It's a leader. Uh, every army has to have at least one leader unit in it, or in 40k they call it HQ. And then every army also has to have one 
two, three battle line in it, depending on how you're building your force. But you're going to need at least one battle line. And this comes with a battle line in the form of assault intercessors, which are just big space marines with chainsaws, which are chainsaw swords. I can't believe I just glossed over that. Chainsaw swords. (laughs) Objectively, one of the coolest things about 40k is that we just have swords made of chainsaws. I was here in podcast mode and I just got yanked out of it to talk about how cool chainsaw swords are. I'm sorry. Uh, And then you have, lastly, three space marines on motorcycles who also have chainsaw swords and double machine guns strapped to the front of their motorcycles. Yee-haw! Like... (laughs) That's that's awesome. You grab those things, you paint them in red, and you are ready to rock and roll with a small Blood Angels force. And I bet you're going to do pretty okay at it. Yeah, I think uh, Blood Angels are a great way of, of starting a Blood Angels force, if that's your flavor. And it has such a large range that you can, you can make a Blood Angels force work no matter what's going on with the rules. Uh, but my pick is surprising nobody, the edgy version the Chaos Space Marines. Did we both just pick our own armies? Is that what we did to start this? <laughs> I mean, we both play melee factions, so yeah. <laughs> We're um, very predictable. Very predictable. Uh, I picked Chaos Space Marines because they there's a huge breadth of Chaos Space Marines sub-factions to pick from, so you, you'll probably find something there that you're interested in. Um, and they're Space Marines medieval, is the best way of putting it. They are uh, demonically enhanced and heretical space marines uh either they're renegades that have left the imperium recently or they're ancient warriors for the dark powers from ten thousand years ago regardless they're all part of chaos space marines and they have a pretty good start collecting box surprisingly uh yeah this they didn't always have a great way to get into the faction which is one of the reasons that it was hard to recommend them but games workshop not too long ago dropped a new start collecting box that they crammed a lot of value into for a fairly cheap price. Yeah, for for a pretty good price, you're getting two individual, like, demon-possessed kind of Chaos Space Marine characters and Greater Possessed. You're getting a 10-man troop squad of Chaos Space Marines, which you're going to need. You're getting uh, two th- uh, big shooting, like, honking, walking tank dudes called Obliterators that just, they're really good at providing support for a melee army. And a uh, demon engine, Ven- uh, Venom Crawler, which is a uh, vehicle, it's a giant, like, spider that shoots cannons out the sides and, like, kills stuff with its spider legs it's very useful useful uh, model and then we have a master of possession which will buff up all your demon units and uh, he's a caster and he can provide some support for your other guys and he's an hq piece as well um this is honestly one of those start collecting kits too that i could see somebody buying multiple times Um, it has a lot of stuff in that you could use although i just want to say the names of these units are amazing oh absolutely and uh venom crawler my favorite grunge punk band. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other great thing about Chaos Space Marines is they have a fairly large range. It's not as big as uh, you know Space Marines, but they have a pretty good range. And if you like stuff like uh, mechanical fire-breathing dragons that fall from the sky breathing bale fire at troops or giant walking demon engines that rip walls and buildings apart this is the summary for you um they also have a huge variety of melee units to pick from and shooting units to pick from so you can 
do a lot. Uh, but one of the most interesting things about this army is even their shooting units most of the time, uh, like their demon engines, still fight pretty well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So you can you can make an army that does a li- like some shooting to until they get up there and then rip rip and tear. Well, like pretty much everything in this army has like machine gun arms and then giant wrecking ball <laughs> arms. Yeah, they, they've just got... glued together. It's like watching a Digimon episode where they just strapped as many knives to these things as you possibly can because their dad, the emperor, didn't give them trip pants at the mall and. <laughs> I love it. It's a very apt description. Uh, <laughs> just their space marines daddy issues. Like let's let's make it very clear. Well, kind of summed up fifty eight books of the Horus Heresy there, John. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Games Workshop's coming for you. Yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be knocking at my door. <laughs> but that, that's that's a melee forces, and I'm sure in a later episode we'll go into more detail about what it means to play like each of these different armies and maybe some helpful tips and stuff but we're gonna go ahead and move on to shooting and uh joe i think we picked two different things for this i'm not entirely sure uh all right so since we're not sure i'll make it a surprise for you oh keep it exciting uh so i think that there are a number of viable shooting options in 40k as we talked about in the second episode Everything in this game is carrying a gun of some type, more or less. Uh, So there are a number of armies that shoot, and almost all of them do a little bit of firing. But I think there's one that I would recommend the most, especially for a newer person getting into this game, to try. And that's the Adeptus Mechanicus. Or, as most players call it, the Admech. These guys are... If you sort of like just give their name a Google, you'll see that there are a bunch of cyborg men with red colorful cloaks and cog hammers and like steam diesel punk rifles. And narratively, they're exactly what they look like. Um, They're a cult who live on the planet Mars who worship machines. They also have robot cowboys, Joe. John, we are getting there. Hold on. I can't we stop myself. Getting, I gotta talk about the robot cowboys. You gotta hold on before we get to Yeehaw Titanfall. You just gotta have to chill. Um, got me all distracted. Um, however, they think that these machines have spirits within them. And it, that if they worship these machines well enough, they will function for them. So they are the technophiles of the Imperium, and they believe that flesh is weak and that metal is obviously superior. So they TIG weld every sort of arm and extra leg onto their body to replace their flesh. And mechanically, as you would expect from a bunch of guys who love technology, they have some crazy guns. Crazy guns. Including, as John said... A unit called the Cerberus Sulfur Hounds. I did, uh, Cerberus Sulfur. I didn't know that was what they were named. I just saw the pictures when they were released. I only like them more. The Cerberus Sulfur Hounds are mechanized knight construct cowboys riding mechalo- mechanized like horse wolves with flamethrowers for mouths. 
<laughs> everything that you just said is objectively cool. <laughs> yeah, I love every word of that. Like it if you like steampunk and if you liked the movie Dune, this is for you. This is the army. Um and they also have just so happen to have a pretty good start collecting box. So if you were wanting to get into this and you kind of looked at their flavor and their theme and their very characteristic models, I and you thought, I'm kind of into it. I'd recommend grabbing the Stark Collecting Box for Adeptus Mechanicus. So we explained it in the last episode, but I feel like we should touch on it again in case some people weren't into Age of Sigmar, so they skipped episode three. A Stark Collecting Box is a box that Games Workshop has put out uh, they started doing it, what, four years ago, John? Three, four years ago? Yeah, about the start of, right before the start of 8th edition, they started releasing, start collecting boxes instead of releasing the more expensive Battle Force versions to make a smaller barrier of entry for people. Yeah, so a start collecting box is just that. It's a way for you to start collecting a force. And these start collecting boxes have a variety of combinations, but really what they have in common is all of them are going to have a leader or an HQ, as we talked about earlier, of some sort in the box. They're also going to have, as we talked about it earlier, a troops option or a battle line option, as it's called Age Sigmar, but we'll use troops for here. And they're probably going to have a big hitter unit or a utility unit that's larger in there as well. So in this box in particular, it comes with a tech priest, a unit of 10 troops which you could build as one of two different options depending on how much metal you like and then you can it also comes with a sort of tank that they have called a dune rider or a disintegrator <sighs> so cool and you can pick how you build it uh, one is a sort of a transport the other is like a big old gun hoverboat. and if you buy one of those you that's the core of an army you could pretty much put that on any table with friends who also bought a Stark Collecting Box and be good to go. And on the table, they're not super complicated to play. I think you'd agree, John. Like, I think that's one of the things that makes them kind of appealing. Yeah, uh, they're not. They're definitely one of the easier armies to learn to play because they can be a little bit more forgiving. But they have a lot of depth to them. Like, there's a, there's a lot to optimize and learn with the army, but... Starting out, the base premise is pretty pretty easy. Probably not as easy as Space Marines, but still pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, most turns, you're going to move forward a little, and then you are going to shoot at whatever your enemy has that you don't want to eventually touch you and destroy you. And that's pretty much going to be every turn, is just picking what to shoot at. And I think if you're just getting into the hobby, and you want to pick a, a force that's shooting but also a little simple to get into this would be my pick for you another really good benefit to it is that they can they have multiple ways of playing uh they have and they're they're multiple viable ways of playing that don't feel bad if that makes sense you can play this army i believe four or five different ways entirely different ways not even just like kind of the same a little different like i'm talking completely different and it's yeah pretty great i'd agree with that because they've got like the long range shooting but they've also got a lot of like mid-range shooting and skirmish units and they've even got a couple of melee units it's it's a pretty wide force that 
if you start off with a shooting army and then you want to kind of expand into other directions, you can do that. And I think that's great to have when you're first starting out with this game. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. But if you're done with Admech, I'm going to go ahead and talk about our fancy boys from the Damocles Gulf. I think you better talk about them. Otherwise, I'm going to talk about the Cerberus Sulfur Hounds for about eight hours. So take it away. All right. So the faction I'm going to talk about is our first non-imperial or chaos faction. Um, it's a Xenos, which are aliens. Race, uh, known as the Tau Empire. They are blue-skinned kind of fish people. In a way, uh, uh, they believe in something called the greater good. Uh, but more importantly, they have this very clean aesthetic to them. They have a lot of mech suits and battle suits. And they're all shooting. They don't have melee units, actually. Um, yeah. It's actually the huge weakness is they don't have any melee units. Um, so if you're looking at just doing shoot, shoot, McGun gun, this is probably the army for you. I mean, you are forced to get good at shoot, shoot, McGun gun because you don't have other options. And it's, it has a very futuristic sci-fi aesthetic, like normal sci-fi aesthetic, not the gothic aesthetic that the rest of 40k has, which makes it drastically different than the rest of the factions. Yeah, they look very, uh, if y'all ever watch Gundam, very Gundam-esque. Yes, very Gundam-esque. Like, a whole lot of big mech suits with, like, these big flat panels and sharp edges and giant honking machine guns strapped to them all over the place. Very Gundam. Yes, and they're honestly not incredibly hard to paint. Uh, they're a bit easier to paint because they have a little bit less details on them. But the best part, best part is they you can paint them a couple of colors and then add to them later when you learn more techniques. They kind of take to that, I'm going to paint you now and then keep improving on you later kind of methodology. And... They have a pretty good start collecting box. Uh, one of the better ones, in my opinion, uh, comes with an HQ piece yeah. and an ethereal. Yeah, who is useful in most every list. Like he's Some of the HQ units of the start collecting box, you look at it and go like, oh, I gotta run that guy, but not the case here. And then they have a troop box, like a troop unit in there. Uh, but uniquely, it can be either a breacher squad or a fire warrior squad which are two different troop choices, so you get a lot of customization there. Um, and then you also have a group of battle suits called Crisis Battle Suits, and they are, you know, you're ge- I don't want to say generic mech warrior, but they're like a, a mech battle suit, guys. Yeah, they're a smaller-sized mech suit. Uh, and it comes with a bunch of drones, which are incredibly important for Tau. Huh, yeah. yeah. Drones are like the backbone of the army. They're like little robot friends that do different utility things for the army. And it comes with a bunch of them, so... This is a great way to start the force, and it comes with some of the iconic models in the Crisis suits, and stuff that you're just going to need to play the force. And so I would absolutely suggest Tau as a shooting force if you're into that aesthetic. Yeah, the only thing I would push back a little on Tau with is that Tau can be difficult to learn. They have some a mechanic in there called Marker Lights, where... You could shoot lasers at enemy units, and it helps the rest of your units shoot at laser-marked targets. And you have to remember how many levels of marker lights every single enemy unit has on it if you have shot it with marker lights. And that ranks up with between one marker lights and five marker lights, and each has different um, bonuses for having hit that. And once you play it for a little while... It's not that complicated, but I'm sure some of you just heard me saying all that and went, uh, what? 
And I, I feel that because I am in the what camp. But if you're someone who really loves shooting and is super into Gundams and doesn't mind kind of learning an army that has some more nuance and is more rewarding to deep dive on, I think Tau is a great choice. Absolutely. Well, I think that we've talked shooting to death. Joe, you tell me about a horde faction that you love and that you would suggest for our listeners. Because I really Hold want to know. up now. I don't know if I'm ready to go to Horde there, John. I think first we should talk about the middle ground before we hop into the craziness. Oh, are you talking about all rounders? John, I do believe I am. There we go. We're <laughs> podcasters now. Yeah, I think that we actually picked the same thing here. Uh, I think we probably did because there is one option that is by far and away the best intro army while also having the largest, most well-rounded toolbox to pull out of. I'm gonna just go ahead and guess that you have picked Space Marines for our viewers to start with if they want a well-rounded faction. Yeah, I think Space Marines is probably the best bet. Honestly, if you're a new player and you even are vaguely interested in Space Marines, it's probably the best option for a new player to start with. Oh, yeah. Very, very good. Uh, so there's a couple of things that make Space Marines a great choice for new players uh, who want a more balanced uh, playstyle. First off, Space Marines are not mechanically intensive. At least, they don't have to be. Generally speaking, their stats are all very similar across the entire line. Their abilities aren't very complicated. Even their uh, abilities that affect things in a radius are very simple, like re-roll ones on dice, or add one to hit. Nothing that's too complicated to get a hold of. Secondly, there are always, and I mean always, new Space Marine kits coming out. I can't tell you the last time there was a Games Workshop announcement of something without a Space Marine kit in it. It was 7th edition. That's probably about right. It's been years. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's a big line already, and it's only getting bigger. They just they keep coming out with new options that are cool. Which means, third, all the models, oh, I won't say all the models, a vast majority of the models are newer kits. Uh, which means you're not going to be fiddling with old models that might not be in plastic and are in resin, or God forbid, are in metal. And that is very beneficial, especially for new hobbyists coming into this thing. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other huge strengths of Space Marines as a core faction is that if you pick up some of the boxes, before you paint them, you build them, and you play with them, as most of us do, uh, and you kind of get a feel for what you want to do, you can then buy a supplement for a specific chapter and then play that chapter with that play style. So it allows you to test out the army, see what you kind of like doing, and Space Marines thanks to supplements, kind of have access to doing anything and any of the things that we suggest here, besides maybe a super elite army or a super magic army. Yeah, and lore-wise, the Space Marines are all over the board. So when we talked about Admech or when I talked about Blood Angels, it was very easy for me to give you a flavor of them because they are their factions have very specific stories that make them who they are. But Space Marines, they are separated into what are called chapters. You could think of these as like groups who follow similar creeds and similar beliefs and similar cultures. And there are a million 
of these chapters. Each with their own beliefs, with their own lore, with their own fluff. Some have their own novel series. That really, it's hard for me to describe what space reads are. Other than a space marine is a person who was inducted into a chapter through some sort of trial that's different in every chapter around puberty or just a little before puberty and were experimented on and implanted with all sorts of upgrades to force their body to grow into these eight and a half foot tall superhumans. And then we put those guys in power armor that's roughly like a walking M1 Abrams tank and we give them rapid fire artillery guns that they wield like regular assault rifles. And we drop them out of the sky into a fight. That's Space Marine in a nutshell. And if that's the baseline of like, this is the lamest Space Marine I could get, uh, I it, it, there's only up from there. And up from there has got to be pretty freaking sweet. Yeah. Depending and, on what you're into. And there's, it, not only is there a lot of options lore-wise for whatever you want to follow, but there's also a lot of open-ended stuff for creating your own chapter and your own stories. Oh, yes. Um, and so this, I, I think everyone should play Space Marines at some point in their 40k career uh might as well start fresh at the, the beginning it's it's great um you can always pull space marines off and play with play with them and if you're trying to get someone else into the game later space marines is a perfect teaching tool uh yeah it's a uh there are things out there that i like to refer to as loner armies where like you just have it around in case a new person kind of goes hey i want to try this game but i don't want to drop like a hundred bucks can i try some of your models and Space Marines are perfect for that. They are the best loner army. Because they're just so easy to understand right off the bat. But with all of these options, uh, at least one of the things that was difficult for me is that there are so many options. If you go to the Games Workshop website and look up Space Marine, that I, I would struggle to know where to start. Because I struggled to know where to start when I started my own chapter. And for me, I think, as I talked about earlier, that new starter set for 9th edition is a good option. But I think the start collecting box for Vanguard Space Marines is even better. So that box, you get an HQ unit, just like all start collecting boxes we said do. You get a unit of 10, we'll call them troop choices. 10 troop space marines which is always good to have although you can actually take them in two units of five so you actually end up with two troops if you want and then you end up with a unit of three specialized snipers who can shoot pretty much across the entire board because they are space marines with sniper rifles and then if that's not cool enough how about space marines with heavy anti-armor machine guns with jetpacks flying out of the stratosphere to help on the battlefield. That's one box, y'all. That's one box. Yeah, it's a pretty good box, too. And to, like, hop in and just start a force, if you're not sure specifically what kind of space reinforce you'd want to go into, all of that is good in any faction. That's all very safe, I would describe it as. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, not only is that box set a safe choice for starting, but in an already safe 
faction to choose to start. It's just, it's hard to suggest anything else, uh, unless they come up with more star sets after we release this video, which they do, and that's another strength of collecting this force, is it can end up being fairly cheaper than other factions, because mm -hmm. they do release lost starter kits, and a lot of bonus kits. Like, every time there's a two-person box set, it normally has Space Marines in it. Yeah, you could pretty much bet your bottom dollar that there are going to be Space Marines all over the place. And also the used market, if you're, once you get kind of acclimated to the hobby and you start delving into Facebook trade groups and eBay, there are Space Marine deals everywhere. You can't throw a rock without hitting a great Space Marine deal. So once you kind of, if you figure out that this is for you, it's very easy to expand. Absolutely. Uh, I think we've talked at length about Space Marines now, though, Joe. Do you want to wanna move on down to the grand old golden corral that is horde armies and the massive amount of choice and just lots that is there you describe horde armies as a golden corral and i just want to say how appropriate that is because much like golden corral i look at horde armies and i drool over them i dream about how much i can't wait to get in there and get all of the models that i could touch my hands on and shove them onto my plate but then just about six hours later I regret my decisions immensely, and I realize I have no impulse control. So yeah, sure, let's head off into Horde Armies, because I, I play one of these, and it hurts me. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> they hurt other people too. <laughs> so, as we talked about in episode 3... I don't know if I'd recommend Horde Armies for any starting player, necessarily. Uh, I would try to steer you elsewhere gently, because I think Horde Armies are difficult from a hobby perspective. Not necessarily like a rules perspective, but there's just a... By the nature of being a Horde Army, there's a lot of models for you to build and a ton of models for you to paint. And that could be hard as a new player... And especially if you're new to the idea of miniature hobbying altogether, to wrap your head around. Because you got to learn how to batch paint efficiently and how to group up units to move them faster. And it's just, it could be much. However, if you are like me and you also love Starship Troopers and you want to be doing your part, I do have a recommendation. The Tyranids. The coolest antagonist in 40k, who one day will become a big plot deal. I feel it, John. We will have our time in the sun. I mean, I can I can disagree with you and say they're already a big plot deal, but I think that's for another episode where we argue with each other about the lore. <laughs> God, I'll get the booze. Um, Tyranids, though... They are, they are very similar to the space bugs from Starship Troopers or the Zerg from Starcraft. They are invaders from outside of the Milky Way galaxy who have appeared from a, another galaxy or place that we don't understand and slowly invaded our galaxy. And when they find a planet, they fall upon it in the trillions and giant organic hive ships that send abominations of biological horror down to the planet to use different constructs to overwhelm the defenses, kill the defenders, and then eat every piece of biomass on that planet 
making huge funnels that go up to the hive ships to pump all of that good, good goo back into space. Good, good goo. (laughs) Good, good goo. I said it. I'm not taking it back. Pump all the good, good goo up into space to fly off, leaving that planet barren and desolate. And if you're into that, Tyranids all the way. I like to call them just space bugs, affectionately. And they are. this is an army I actually play, so I know a fair amount about it. And Tyranids themselves, one of the things I do like about them, they're not too mechanically difficult to learn. And they're also what, like, what I would call a safe army for friends. Like, if I show up to a battlefield with any of my buds with my Tyranid army, no one will ever be upset that I'm playing them. Would you agree, John? Yeah, I'd agree. They're they're pretty good and like antagonistic faction. Antagonistic. Yeah, the words are hard. Uh, <laughs> the the other cool thing about Tyranids is that they are they fight everyone and everything. So even like if you're playing a narrative game, it always makes sense for another army to be fighting the Tyranids. The Tyranids be fighting whatever army they're fighting, even other Tyranids. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. They really can go up against anybody for any reason in the lore, and that's great. And they're not super powerful, but they're also not really bad. Like, they're an army that, in terms of power, are right in the middle of the range, which I think is where you want to be, because it kind of future-proofs your force. And I think the Tyranids also have this unique uh, thing to them where they can be painted really, really, really simply. They oh, yeah. They also be painted to like a perfect degree like you the 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 variance in how much effort you want to put into your army is is there and it's not forced it is entirely up to you they're very much like a blank canvas for you to just do what you want with it um because they're all organic there's no mechanical parts to them and if you're uh if you're a bio nerd like myself you could even grab uh skin schemes off of our natural environment and just go ham uh, there's a guy who has his pictures all over Reddit. He paints his Tyranids in a coconut crab scheme. So cool. So, so cool. And it it looks like Crab Day, but the crabs are actually here for you. And that's amazing. Uh, also, kind of like Space Marines, not nearly as much, but they the Tyranids have a surprisingly big range for a Xenos army. Uh, I think most Xenos armies, uh, John, I think you'd agree, they kind of have a smaller selection of models for whatever reason, just in terms of like the number of units in the book for you to choose from. I would agree, though, that has been steadily changing over the last few years. Which I think is good. Like, that's great. I want everybody to have more options. Um, But Tyranids is one of those forces who I think kicked off that change. Because they have a lot of options. And at least when I started Tyranids, because as we mentioned in the first episode, John has been playing this game forever. Like, he is the Gandalf the Grey of this game. He has seen too much. He does not remember what it is like to read this for the first time. I don't. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you put a USB cord into your skull that straight line connects to Warhammer community page. You just download the information. Yeah, it's pretty bad. 
I, however, got into this hobby just a couple years ago, and I started with Tyranids. So I very much so remember going to the Games Workshop website. Uh, I I filtered for Tyranids, and I looked around, and there were so many options that I I was genuinely confused, and I almost didn't want to buy anything because I didn't know where to start. So, all right. After losing many, many a Tyranid game, allow me... To guide you, there is a box in there called Start Collecting Tyranids. It is not one of the best Start Collecting boxes, but it is pretty good. It will give you uh, an HQ unit that is like a big monster thing that looks straight out of, like, sort of like a Xenomorph from Aliens. Super cool. And it's it's very usable. You'll use it in most lists that you're going to build. It also comes with a unit of what we call Gene Stealers, which is the boogeyman of the Tyranid book. Like, if I put a blob of 20 Gene Stealers down on the table across from John, he will visibly shudder. They're good. Yeah, and there's a lot of lore to them, which we'll we'll get into later, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another episode. Um, but those are that's a great troop unit. Don't want to disparage them at all. You're going to use them in most every list. But lastly, it gives you a big monster unit, which is called a Trigon or a Moloch. It's like, you ever, y'all ever seen the movie Tremors? It's Tremors. It's, it's a Graboid. They can't call it a Graboid because, you know, copyright, but it's a Graboid. I know a Graboid when I see one. And it's a very cool model, and it, it looks like a big snake thing with six knife arms, which is rad. And I want it to be good, but it could kind of flounder. But with the new edition, new rules are coming out. I bet you that's going to change. So while I might not have recommended this box to you a little while back, I think now it's a great way to get into Tyranids. And from there, you could start expanding out. I'd recommend, like, if you if you buy that box and you put it down and you give it a whirl, if you're into it, get yourself another box of Gene Stealers. That blob gets bigger. Gonna have a great time. Buy yourself like a Carnifex, which is just a big, dumb battering ram. Gonna have a great time. And slowly build your horde. And I think that's kind of one of the things I like the most about Tyranids is that my army slowly grows over time and it allows me to kind of play with the various options rather than diving in too hard too early and kind of neglecting a fair portion of the options in the book which i find kind of happened with my space marine force yeah i would agree Uh, the tyranid book has a lot of like hidden gems too like there's a lot of weird stuff you can do in there uh which is i think super fun and just uh yeah causing forcing your units to rapid evolve to situations on the battlefield to change their stats very cool flavor i'm a fan I'm here for it. Incredibly cool flavor. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you, Joe, are you done waxing poetic about your Tyranids? John, as we have already talked about, I am never done waxing poetic about any th- any army that I care enough to collect on. Coming at you, episode 88, six-hour conversation, Joe talking about how cool his little plastic army men is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you still want to talk about Tyranids, how about I tell you about my favorite story from the Tyranids? And that is when an Inquisitor thought it was a great idea to have this race of monsters that eat biomass to get bigger fight. My pick for a Horde army, the 
green boys who are just always looking for a fight. The orcs. Ah, the orcses. Yeah, the orcs. Uh, so the orcs are kind kind of the comedic relief for 40k. They're just this group of space spores that turn into these sentient green monsters uh, that just are looking to fight. Like, they, their currency is the teeth they pull from each other when they fight each other. They love to just slap guns together that shouldn't work, but they make them work through this weird psychic ability they have. And But they don't, like, they have casters, but they're not all psychers. And it's it's super Odd. super weird. But they, they make technology work in ways they shouldn't in these ramshackle machines, and they make these green tides of orcs that charge entire imperial worlds and destroy them Um, yeah they're they're a classic army for 40k uh they're just they're a lot of fun that's one of the great things yeah and one of the most unique and flavorful absolutely and i don't think there's ever been a game i've played with an orc player that i didn't enjoy yeah the orc community is delightful and all of them are amazing as long as one of their units gets into melee with one of yours, they have succeeded. They have had a great time, whether or not they have lost this game. And uh, I appreciate and this that. this is a hugely customizable force. Um, this is probably one of the only forces I can tell you that you can go to Walmart, buy like a toy car, slap a bunch of weird plastic bits on it, put it down and be like, uh, that's a Luda wagon. And no one would question it. They'd go, oh, cool. <laughs> like... Yeah, uh, in the lore, the orcs are scavengers, so they will pull vehicles or scrap or guns or anything that they could find and just make it work for them. So you can grab models from other factions in Games Workshop games and slap an orc on it and it works. You could get stuff from the dollar store, slap an orc on it, say it works. You could get stuff from other historically accurate miniature games, slap an orc on it, call it good. And that could lead to you having a very flavorful army that is uniquely yours. And I think that's And they have totally a awesome. huge range. They've got a ton of stuff for you to get into. If you're looking to only collect one army, but you want that army to just kind of continuously build, this is this is it. Like that's that's what they do. Um Yeah. You'll end up with a giant a giant horde. But with that comes a few negatives. Uh, the negatives being, you're going to be painting a lot of models. A so many orcs. So many orcs, boys. Um, but you're going to have a lot of fun while playing them. Hopefully, if that's your flavor. Um, the other thing is, they do have a start collecting box, and it's the best way to get into the army, but it's honestly not that great. Like, it's... Un- yeah. Be- because a they're a horror army, it's not going to be a lot of points. But it does come with a troop. It does come with an HQ piece. It does come with a group of five knobs and a like a death dread like walking mechanical dreadnought kind of thing. And it, it it's good. Don't get me wrong. You'll use everything in here, but don't expect it to be the same value as everything else. Uh, you will be handicapping yourself a little bit by doing this. But if that's your flavor and that's what you want to do, I think it's worth the plunge. I think it's worth going into it. Um, they're also a fairly easy army to play. Because it's basically put dudes on yeah. table, run dudes forward, punch their dudes. You've, you've figured out um, the battle play. If you can't get to their dudes, shoot what guns you have at their dudes and hope you hit. <laughs> like, Well, and also what's nice about orcs is you could build them to be like a full melee army. Or you could build orcs to be a full shooty army with a bunch of big machine guns that they've stolen. Or somewhere in between. 
And if you were really going to stick to one faction, I think having a faction that could do both is really great. They also have one of my favorite types of lists I've ever played against. And I used to play it a long time ago, back in like 7th edition. Um, a Mad Max list where you just have like Mad Max Fury Road dudes and trucks uh. on like motorcycles. And they've got different like car kits that have like hot rods with guns on them that can like teleport because they want to go yes. fast. Like... God, it's, yes. it's wild and crazy, and it's great. And this is another one of those factions where if you put it down on the table across from somebody, they're going to have a good time, and you're going to have a good time. It's really hard to have a bad time when yeah. you're playing against orcs. I will say, personally, the most fun game I ever played was against an orc player. It, it, and there's a pattern uh, to be one had there. Most fun games I've ever played at 40k ever. I was playing orcs and I lost the game like horribly. Like I was tabled by turn four, but I had a blast because I was playing orcs. Like it was, it was great. <laughs> it, I cannot suggest them more as a straight up fun army. They're fun to win with. They're fun to lose with. It's, it's great. But on the opposite side of the spectrum, let's go to elites. And I think we're going to have some differencing opinions on here because my choice Joe, it's a choice that you're probably going to tell me is wrong to suggest to new players. Oh, I'm ready. I'm getting my gloves on. I don't know about you listeners. I love big robots. Big robots are cool. (sighs) I think that if you want to play an elite army, you can play the most elite army there is that brings three to five models to the table. And that is Imperial Knights. (laughs) Ooh, I have split opinions. Go ahead, make your pitch. So, I will say Imperial Knights can be very pricey to get into if you're a new player. Each kit's over $100, but... I think uh, over $150. they're, They're a little bit pricey, but you only need three to five of them, and they're pretty big, big, stompy robot models. They can be hard to learn to use effectively because you have so few of them, but I think every elite army is kind of like that. Uh, but... Can you really say that it wouldn't be fun to be a giant robot with a big gun and a cool giant chainsword to cut, like, buildings in half? Because that's pretty that's pretty objectively cool. Would you not say, Joe? I mean, it, it's cool. And as someone who has been waffling on Imperial Knights for over a year, uh, they are very cool. However, I would specifically caution new players away from this army. So when you are playing 40k with three to five models, it's a totally different game than regular 40k. And you aren't even going to be able to participate in some of the phases of the game. So if you're a new person who's trying to learn this game and is trying to figure it out, you're probably going to lose most games. Because... 40k is really a game about getting on predetermined objectives on the board and the person who has the most models on that objective gets the points and wins so if you only have three models in your whole army and they come up with a bunch of models you're probably gonna struggle and there are ways to mitigate that for veteran players but i think that might be particularly difficult to for a new person to overcome and get into which is hard for me to say, because I love big stompy robots, but yeah, I have split emotions. Well, if you haven't been dissuaded and you are into big stompy robots, my suggestion to start with this, just pick one. Just pick one of the the big robots in the range, yeah. 
grab buy a it, night build it paint it enjoy it just if you're gonna do it go haul whole hog sandwich there's no way to tell you how to make a budget version of this army that they all cost about the same Helvrins are the cheapest at 75 dollars for two of them but you that's not a whole army you can't make a whole army of Helvrins. yeah you're each one of those like big knights is gonna be uh over 157 dollars in each giant knight which you're probably only gonna have one of it's like 170 yeah. something dollars yeah. In American, in USD, we'll say. Um, uh, well, I guess they probably could have guessed that from how we talk. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just it's not an army that you can get into on a budget, which is another reason that's kind of hard to recommend the new players because I know getting into this game can be expensive, and I, w- I we like to mitigate that where possible with our picks, but. It's just not going to well, happen. Well, if there. you don't suggest knights, what kind of elite style army do you choose, Joe? So, I'm going to go with an army that is still very, very elite and will have a fraction of the models that your opponent's force will have on the table. But rather than three to five, having 10 to 15 on the table. I recommend an army called the Adeptus Custodes. In lore, there is the Emperor who oversees all of humanity. Well, he did, until he was mostly killed and trapped on a gold throat. However, he has been trapped there for 10,000 years. And he has been guarded for all 10,000 years by these huge, golden, power-armored warriors called the Adeptus Custodes. They're sort of similar to Space Marines, in the fact that they once were human and were bio-enhanced to be bigger and stronger and super. But they are super-er Double super, than space if you brains. will. Uh, super. Oh yeah, super turbo duper. chads. <laughs> <laughs> so they are the super-duper marines. And they stand as the personal guardians of the emperor. And because they're so big and they're so strong, there's not a whole lot of them. But that doesn't matter, because they don't need a whole lot of them to get a job done. So the Adeptus Custodes, like I said, you're probably going to have 10 to 15 models on the table, maybe 20. But I I don't see an Adeptus Custodes army going a whole lot more over that, just because each unit is so elite. Every single, even the troop choice of an Adeptus Custodes army, called the Custodian Guard, have stat lines that are equivalent to other factions' characters. Their heroes are roughly equal to your basic troop units. And your heroes are nightmares to their heroes. They're the boogeyman under their bed. So they can really push hard to get a lot done. The only downside of Custodes is that, much like knights, they don't have a start collecting box to start collecting custodies. However, for custodies, I don't know if you really need a start collecting box to start collecting custodies. I mean, as John can attest, I am now playing custodies because I accidentally ended up having enough custodies for a full army. Yeah, it was actually super (laughs) easy. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't mean to. Um... I bought a single box of five Custodian Guard to play Kill Team, which is a skirmish game. 
And then a friend had an extra box of their troops and just gave them to me. And turns out that's almost a thousand points worth of a custodies army. Uh, because they are just that elite. So if you're into that, I would recommend just buying two boxes of custodian guard. That gives you nine custodian guard. And with that last guy, make yourself a shield captain. And now you have an HQ and and three troop units. Almost a thousand points worth of army for the cost of two boxes. Uh, another downside of custodies, though, in my opinion, is they don't have a huge range. Uh, they, if you don't That's like true. the look of their troops or their bikes, you don't really have any options. If you want vehicles, you don't really have any options. I think they have, like, what, a Dreadnought and a Land Raider? And a hover bike. They have flying space well, motorcycles. Well, I wasn't. I didn't think those were vehicles. I think those were bikes. But I mean, I digress. Um, you disrespect <laughs> my flying Listen, motorcycles. Listen, golden demigods on their huffy bikes can chill for a second. The <laughs> um, the most of their vehicles are actually Forge World, which is a uh, very expensive part Ugh. of the hobby. It's kind of the premium place yeah. to go get resin miniatures it's not part of like the regular gw range but can be used in 40k it's kind of complicated but that's one of the downsides of custodies but don't let that dissuade you because i think joe has a lot of good points they have a lot that they can do they shoot pretty well they fight pretty well there's only a little bit of them they're pretty quick to paint like i i I would agree with them yeah they are very fast to paint also they're fairly tough and as we've talked about in episode two tough armies are fairly forgiving for new players because you're going to make mistakes in where you put stuff. And here, even if you mess up and you go, Oh man, I shouldn't have put those guys there. Those, they're probably going to survive whatever happens to them. At least for a little bit. Uh, and that can help for a new player to kind of like make a mistake and then figure out how to play through it. Because you're not going to get horribly punished for it. Also, and this one is a very personal choice. They have what I think is the coolest weapon in all of 40k. Anywhere. Anywhere in 40k. They have what is called the Guardian Spear. Which is a giant, over 8 foot tall power spear. Whose blade has an electric force field around it that disintegrates atoms. And attached to the back of that spearhead is a machine gun. Machine gun spear is the best weapon. And all of your custodians are probably going to end up with it. And that's just a slam dunk. That's slam it's dunk, a slam dunk, dunk, but you know what else is a slam dunk? What? Psychers. <laughs> oh, no! Custodies have none of those! Not a slam dunk! It's a <laughs> space foul! Space wizards. Do you like space wizards? Do you like birds? What about, like, cool frisbees that you can ride? Ugh. I'm okay with... I like one of these things a lot. <laughs> what about Egypt? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pyramids are pretty sweet, objectively. Then you might like Thousand Suns. Um, they're kind of the premier space wizards. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking to play a magic force, if you want to play a, you know, this is a space game with guns and, like, demons and stuff, but you want to cast the weird psychic magics from the warp, Thousand Suns are for you. Uh, they're chaos faction. But... They have a tragic story to them where they kind of accidentally fell to chaos um, from delving too deep into the magic. And 
a lot of their people got mutated, and then a ritual was performed by Armin, one of their main characters, who caused them all to turn into dust that has now turned them into automatons trapped in their armor from 10,000 years ago, being led by one of the only sort like flesh and blood guys left in as a sorcerer for each of their troop units called Rubric Marines. It's kind of the, the general gist of them. But they're a super cool faction, and they're also one of the only Chaos factions right now that have a demon Primarch, which are basically their dad. <laughs> like oh, their gene yeah. father. Their um, progenitor. So, which is just a huge centerpiece model. Like it is a, it's, he's gorgeous. He's a giant bird dude, bird dude cyclops. Yeah, there are three Primarchs in all of 40k that currently have models, and they have one of them. And he is colossal. He dominates a table. It's a very gorgeous a very model. model. Um, and their Star Collecting Kit is pretty good. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm actually kind of impressed with this. It has uh, Armin. One of their main named characters. He's a super good wizard. He can cast a ton of powers. He's got access to a bunch of different magic spells. Super cool guy. He's got, he rides a disc of Zinch, which is this cool frisbee I was just telling you about. So you can fly around, zipping it to and from. Uh, and has two troop choices. Uh, Zangors, which are like half human, half bird dudes that are like cultists for Zinch and work for the Thousand Suns. Uh, very special and unique. They only are really ever in this force. Very cool. And then you have Rubric Marines, their core troop unit um, that are, you know, fairly tough. And they've got these cool, like, warp flame-infused bolters, and they can cast psychic powers as well. Not just as a hero, but as a troop choice, they can cast a psychic power. Yeah, everything in the army is Psyker. Besides Sangors. I do not believe Sangors are Psykers. Uh, I don't think so, but they're like they're getting into like demon-y territory, so yeah. that's... They've got other powers. Everything has some sort of like magic to it, essentially. Um, but this whole army is fo- focused around doing magic. To, be- to make them better at shooting, to make them better at fighting. Like, that's their core mechanic. Um, or to just cause things to spontaneously combust. Yeah, like they they do magic very well. But being demons and being, you know, witches and heretics, they have a natural enemy. And I believe that natural enemy is your pick for a magic army in 40K? Oh, it sure is. So flavor-wise, there is one chapter of Space Marines that is a secret... In the 40k lore. The the general populace doesn't know they exist. Because they are a secret special project that has been in the making for over 10,000 years. And these are the Grey Knights. The Grey Knights are sort of like your uh, stereotypical historical knights in shining armor. However, their armor is power armor. And all of them are psychically gifted. And specifically, they were created by the Emperor to be the bulwark against chaos that he felt was coming into the galaxy. So he established a chapter where every single Marine was psychically gifted, and very much so. So that way, when they go to fight the demons, they could just banish them out of existence in addition to killing them with traditional weaponry. And the Grey Knights are 
an army that on the tabletop largely lives up to that. They're fairly elite, not like custodies or knights level elite, but you're not swarming the board with a Grey Knight's army. You're going to be a, a on the smaller end of the mid-range. Kind of like surgical strike kind of force. Yeah, I think that's fair. And when you get on the table, you're going to be able to shoot, and you're going to be kind of scary in melee. However, really, where you're going to make a lot of the hurt happen is in the psychic phase because everything in the army excluding their land raider and how dare they not give me a psychic tank god that'd be cool they used to have psychic dreadnoughts yeah but and like a psychic flyer no psychic tank though for the gray knights how rude it needs to come i'll i'll sign the petition y'all send it to me um but everything on the board's going to be able to use psychic powers and they can, much like the Rubric Marines, they can use psychic abilities to make themselves shoot better. Or they can use psychic powers to make themselves hit harder in melee. Or they could just light things on fire with holy flame from their minds. The downside, though, of Grey Knights is that Grey Knights don't have a start collecting box. I don't know why. They've been around for long enough that I would have imagined that they would have one. But the upside is that you could still essentially make your own start collecting box or start collecting force fairly easily. So if if I'm talking about all this, I'm telling like go give it a Google to see if you like the Grey Knights. Uh, specifically, there's something called a Nemesis Dread Knight, which is a space marine in a colossal exoskeleton like exosuit with a big sword. Like see if that's your flavor. If it is, you could get into this army fairly cheap. By buying what's called a Grey Knight's Strike Squad, which is a unit of basic troops. Then buy yourself a unit of Grey Knight Paladins, which are five guys that are really elite. They're sort of like your heavy hitters who come in later. And then there's a leader unit called Grandmaster Voldus, who is the leader of the Grey Knights. And he is as bad as they come. Highly recommend grabbing him so you have a leader unit and a good one at that. And with those three things combined, you're, you've are you got a solid, small army of Grey Knights already. that you could, And it's honestly probably more points than most of the Shirklight gets. Yeah, I think if you buy that combination that I just described, you're probably going to come out with a little more bang for your buck than some of your friends might come out with. I think that's, that's a great way to start. And I would especially recommend starting small with Grey Knights because magic armies can be a little difficult to play at the best of times. So learning them slowly with a small force and then growing it over time can really help a newer player get their head around the concepts of the army and then expand them outwards rather than kind of drowning in all of the tiny rules and magic options, which I've seen happen to some people. And I'd rather y'all avoid it. And... Granites are a, a little bit more tougher than something like Thousand Suns. Uh, they have a lot more Terminator armor, which mm-hmm. is just tougher armor. And they have a lot of defensive psychic abilities because uh, they kind of play like paladins from like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, very that's similar. Way to put it. I mean, one of their uh, units but, is called a Paladin Strike Squad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they still do shoot really well and they do fight really well. Um, their bonuses are mostly to being defensive and honestly like teleporting. Like they yeah, they of, can teleport across the board. Like, they could open a small gate 
pop a, one of their units through it and then make that gate appear elsewhere. So they could do like some Doctor Strange sort of stuff, but with power armor and psychic guns. Yeah, like they're they're a very interesting force, and I definitely think that you should give them a try if that sounds up your alley. If you like shining knights fighting demons, there's your thing. Yeah, they're, and their models are very flavorful, they look appealing, and they're also not hard to paint. Sort of like Custodes, they're, if you go with, like, the bog standard Games Workshop color, which you don't have to, but if you want to, it's 90% silver, so you just hit them with, like, a silver spray can, and then paint the little details, and you're done, which is nice to know as an option if you're a newer player who's not used to big, complicated paint schemes. Yep, and like a lot of the other factions we talked about, uh, they build off of that really well. So if you spray them silver, paint a couple of details, you can go back over with like some dry brush techniques or some other like little bit more advanced techniques and really make them pop later mm-hmm. once you've already started on them. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. They're an army that instead of having to look at your old force and go, oh God, I'm going to have to repaint those at some point. Really? You're just going to come in and touch them up. So it won't be a huge uh, hobby goal for you to have to like repaint the whole army which is nice to know when you go in yeah absolutely but with that talk on gray knights pretty you know good do we want to talk about one of the sneakier and more tricksy factions in the game this my i've already getting a headache i am looking at what i'm about to recommend and my head hurts john it's making me tired are you saying that maybe your head's getting a little big it's swelling Full. It's being filled with knowledge. It's accosted with knowledge. <laughs> so, this, uh, what if we're about like, to talk about requires big brain plays. John. Oh, big gal- brain plays. Galaxy brain. Um, if you like weird, tricksy armies where you're you're kind of playing on the seat of your pants the whole time, and you're kind of playing 4D chess with your opponent. The faction we're going to suggest to you, and if he picked something different, I'm going to be really surprised, y'all. Because Jeans of their Cult are probably the trickiest faction yep. in 40 Bang on the money. You got me. I, that, that would be my recommendation. If you're somebody who wants to feel like you are the master strategist, uh, there's no better pick. So, to give you a brief overview on Jeans of their Cult, they are a cult of humans that over the generations of uh, breeding through this weird genetic mutation in their blood uh, create this cult that worships gene stealers from the Tyranids uh, and prepare planets with through revolution, through machinations to be invaded by the Tyranids. And they think of the Tyranids as these star gods that are going to release them from their mortal coil and bring them to the great glorious star heaven. Which we are definitely going to do. We are not going to eat you when we get there. Such li- such rumors are false. Yeah. Um, they're super weird. Um, just gonna, it's really hard to explain. They're a paper army. They, they do, they're not tough. They will oh, die, yeah. they're, die they're when you look They're paper mache. They will explode with anything. They're also a horde army. <laughs> uh, yeah, they certainly can be. And... They also don't deploy like normal. They kind of deploy all over the table. And they have all sorts of weird tricks to them that allow them to create ambushes or deploy little markers to say that so the enemy can't see what unit is actually there. Um, all sorts of strange stuff to do. And they have a lot of weird Lovecraftian-style monsters to them. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, 
Lovecraftian cults, I should say. Like very, uh, very, very Lovecraftian. Sort of like you're uh, in the town of Inswich. Yeah, and it's or got like, three go. armed dudes with like that use stop signs. Um, you've got like three armed dudes that have like hand flamers and tentacles, and it's just it's all crazy. Um, and they also, aesthetically speaking, like John kind of likes the shadows over Ensmith thing. I am more for their Mad Max aesthetic. Uh, one of the themes that runs with the uh, Gene Stealer cults is that. They do a lot of their recruiting, we'll call it, which really is like forced infection to people who are who work underground. So like miners and uh, drivers who go in and out with these shipments. And it has led to them releasing new models for jeans dealer cults that are like dune buggies and dirt bikes and a bunch of guys who have power sledges and rock saws and with the appropriate paint scheme they look very mad maxi very quickly and super cool and they're, they're very much like revolutionaries in their eyes they are revolting against this evil imperium that is taking over like their entire existence as fascists to the gene sealer cult they're doing everyone a favor and so there are a lot of workers, there are a lot of people that are have this religious fanaticism to them, but on the other side. And it's very interesting, and it's very different from a lot of the other lore in the game. So it's if you're looking for something very unique, this is the place for you. They uh, also yeah. have Agreed. a great start collecting kit for a horror army. Um, this is Yeah. This is something you'll buy multiple times, because the only thing in there you probably don't want to have multiple times is the Icon Ward. But you can easily turn that icon ward, once you get a little more familiar with the hobby, into something else. You can, oh, yeah. You could cut off that banner, give them another gun of your choosing, and there you go. Yeah. Still good. Yeah, you can turn them into another model to use in your army. And the rest of it, you're going to use a lot of, uh, you know, because it comes with an icon ward, who's an HQ piece. It comes with five acolyte hybrids, which are, like, three-armed dudes, like, hand flamers that are, like, bone swords. Uh, it's got 10 neophyte hybrids, which are like your base generic troops. They, yeah, they they're works. regular dudes in the Gene Stealer Colt army. Uh, and it comes with the vehicle, an Achilles Ridge Runner, which is like this dune buggy with guns on it, and there's multiple different versions of it, and it's a fairly cheap model, so you can bring a lot of them. Uh, this is honestly one of the star collecting boxes that you could probably buy three times and oh, yeah. use all and the models it's, in it. It's going to be a banger every time. Yeah. And it's super fun. Now, cons for the army. Past the, the hard stuff that is, you know, learning how to play this faction, you will you will lose a lot of your first games playing this faction. There's a lot to mm-hmm. learn. Yeah. But it's a lot to paint, and a lot of the models are very detailed. And uh, Yeah, it's time-consuming to paint. Whereas, like, when we talked about Tyranids and Orcs, at least, like, there's a lot of them to paint, but there's not a ton of details on an orc and there are almost no details on a tyranid so at least you're gonna paint that horde fairly quickly you will get bogged down in a gene stealer cult horde because all of them have like little flashlights and tiny bits and bobs and bandoliers and stuff hanging off their belt and their weapons are all different because because they look like a ragtag army so all none of their stuff is uniform because they're just kind of grabbing whatever they could find and that's great when it's painted and done 
but it is hard to get it painted and done. It's a it's a test of your patience. Yeah, and but if this is the flavor you want and you enjoy painting, I say go for it. Don't let our you know problems how much you got to paint uh, dissuade you if you genuinely enjoy painting. Yes, yeah, I mean. John and I have talked about this, I think, in episode one or two, but we're not a huge fan of painting hordes, but it's, y'all, that's just an opinion. Um, and it's not even one that I super stick to, because, I mean, I have a bunch of painted Tyranids right behind me. Um, some people are really into these intricate paint schemes, and if you're one of those people and you have a colossal IQ who didn't have to watch The Matrix six times when they were in middle school to understand it. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, Joe. <laughs> Don't you judge me. It was very complicated. There were machines and there were pods and then we were in a city and Kung Fu happened. It was very confusing. But if you're one of those people, this, this is a great force for you. And for me, the biggest pro that I could possibly put here is their lore. Um, John kind of pokes fun at me for being a lore whore, and it's it's true. I, I am a sucker for a faction with good lore. And this faction's lore and their strategy is such a long game that I adore it. Um, I won't go on and on too much, but essentially when uh, a gene stealer lands on a planet, they grab a couple of people, they infect them to make them... Simil to infect them and warp their biology and then those people go out and they grab more people to bring in and infect and they grab more people to bring in and infect and they slowly build this cult and over time the infected people no longer have three arms they look like regular people of that world and then over generations they start infecting people in places of power. So they start infecting people in the church to make sure everyone believes what they want them to believe. And they infect people in the education system so they can further push their own propaganda. And they infect a bunch of people in the military to make sure that they have full control and they could make they could bring the whole planet to a standstill when the Tyranids get here. So that way they could easily be consumed. And y'all, I'm not saying that we are currently in the midst of an Earth-wide gene-stealer cult invasion, but allow me to vaguely gesture <laughs> and leave it there. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And, you know, the other cool thing about gene-stealer cult is they have access to Imperial Guard models. So if you looked at some of the Imperial Guard stuff, which we mm -hmm. haven't talked about in this episode, but give them a look, see what they look like to you. Yeah, you they're like just that, regular guys at fatigues with laser guns. Yeah. If you like the look of that, but you want it in, like, alien flavor, here you go. You can take almost every model in that range and use it in this army. Oh, yeah. Very easily. You could... Either by changing a little bit of the model or by changing a little bit of your paint scheme, all of a sudden those guard models look right as rain in a Gene Steeler Colts force. Yeah. And what that leads to is this is a force that even though it's only a few years old, it's massive. Like it has so many options. You're not going to run out of stuff to get into with this army. It's another one of those armies where you can just collect it like almost indefinitely if you really wanted to. And that's pretty cool. Highly suggest. I've been tempted to start this army multiple times. One of the only reasons why I haven't is because I'm not made of money. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a fairly expensive force to collect and build. 
which is another con. Like you're to to get to that thousand, two thousand point range, probably be buying a lot of kits and probably be doing a lot of painting. But that's kind of anything that's a horde army. So yeah, comes with the territory. But uh, John, I think we've covered all of the types of armies in our recommendations in this two episode marathon. Yeah, uh, I know that we've gone on a little bit longer than I think we anticipate to uh, for most of our episodes, but we really thought that this was important for you guys to get like more detailed information uh, and try to bring it level with you guys. Getting into this hobby can be very challenging, uh, especially if you're not going into it with friends. So uh, we hope this can be a resource that you can use and maybe share it whenever you have friends you want to get into the army and into the game with. Yeah, and if... We've gone through and we've kind of given our recommendations for for all of the army types. But as I mentioned at the end of the last episode, if you see an army that you really like the flavor of and you want to get into it, but it's not one of the ones we mentioned here and you kind of want some advice, uh, look down below. All the social media stuff we're on is there. Reach out to us. Uh, send us a, a DM or a comment on the YouTube video if you're watching it there. And just... Ask, tell us what you're into and what you want to get into it with, and we'll happily talk to you and walk you through whatever faction tickles your fancy. Um, our whole goal with this is to get more people into the hobby, and if that means guiding some people personally into an army, I'm more than happy to. I know John is, and we could hopefully get you set up. But Yeah, we, we really we talk about this game and Age of Sigmar. All the time, <laughs> at least multiple times a day, me and yeah. Joe will talk to each other about it. We're so we know most of the factions in here, and whatever army you're into, we probably know about it. Yeah, and and we just love sharing lore, talking about stuff, just engaging with people on this thing, uh, especially yeah, in in these kinds of times where a lot of us have been inside for a while. Yeah, it's sort of a, a bastion uh, during these sort of isolating times, and. For me, one of the things I've been doing is kind of picking up on the lore that I've been missing over, like, the busy months, which is actually what we're going to talk about on the next episode. Uh, now that we've gone through the more mechanically taxing topics of army specifics, we're going to get a little more general again, as we would like to do. And next episode, we're going to talk about the lore of the game of these two games. And how you can get into it without getting totally overwhelmed by the colossal amount that is before you. Whether that's personal army lore or whether that's game lore as a whole. We'll try to give you a, a sort of beginner's guide on where you can pick up on that without losing your mind. And falling to madness like a gene stealer cult. Yeah, so instead of like running you through all the lore for all the stuff, we're going to show you how you can explore it at your own pace without feeling bogged down and crushed because there's a lot and I think it's very important for you to kind of dip your toes in and kind of get acclimated to it so that you can get hooked and addicted to it like we have like the fiends we are because we do have an addiction well I'm a lore addict and I've been Joe and I've been John and that's all of our opinions for today bonafide Kentucky fried we'll see y'all next time see ya <laughs>